You're listening to the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, now part of the ChairShot Radio Network on thechairshot.com. Remember, always use your head. You look like a dude who should be pumping my fucking gas. This isn't doing it for me. There's, I'm not getting, in, I'm not getting enjoyment out of this. He was a before the bell rings all star. All right, everybody. It is Thursday night, June 22nd, 2023. I I can't believe that this year is almost halfway over. This is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, part of the ChairShot Radio Network. You can find us on thechairshot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head. Coming at you from the pod cave, I am the man with the award-winning beard. And with me, as always, we are minus one. But with me here, from the Rob the Genius Podcast, the Minister of Truth, the father of facts and figures, the deacon of data, the official shoot bear of the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, and the man with the golden shovel. Mr. Rob, how's your week, sir? Uh, so far, so good. And I have to uh, give a shout-out to Baltimore Gas and Electric because uh, we had a power outage earlier today, and had they not come through when they did, there would be no show this week, because, or you'd be flying solo. <laughs> oh, boy. That that never ends well. This is There's a reason why this is a, a three-man weave, because I suck by myself. <laughs> you and Jason make this show infinitely better than it ever was. <laughs> um, Yeah, it was a little, like, last night, we, were, we usually record on a Wednesday night, and I've had, work has been murder. And uh, to the point where I was in a situation where I just, I needed a break. I needed, like, a mental health day. Plus, my anniversary date is uh, July 19th, and I'm going, I'm taking a week off the 1st of July, but I'm going into my anniversary date with like 60 hours of vacation time, and I can only, because I never take time off and knock on wood, the last time I was sick was when I had COVID last April. Um, so, I'm you know, got, I'm going to have like 20 hours of use or lose time. So, I was looking at my boss, I was like, look, I was like, Wednesdays are typically slower for us, I don't want to lose this time, I'm going to go ahead and take tomorrow off. So took the day off and just had a had a migraine all day. Then my washing machine took a dive on me. We had to go out and drop money on a washing machine. So, <clears throat> you know, we usually start recording about 7, 7.30 Eastern Standard. And at about 6.30, I'm just sitting on the couch. I'm like, look, I love these guys. I love this show. Today is not the day. Um, so I, I texted the boys and I said, look, uh, can, can we record Thursday night? <laughs> And it, th- thankfully, though, where I'm going with this is we have had just a whole, I live in Florida, and I've just had this horrible stream of storms coming through over the last seven days. And when I was messaging you guys, I'm looking outside and I'm like, we may end up having to cancel this whether I want to or not, because the wind blows here and we lose power sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, like in one of my old neighborhoods where I used to live, uh, power went out, would go out pretty easily. And um and that's because this was in Upper Marlboro, Maryland, and it was like they hadn't put the power lines underground yet. Everything was above ground, so yeah, we got if, if it got a little windy or whatever. Sometimes it'd just be <laughs> yeah. Interestingly enough, they're actually working outside the last month or two, putting in uh, below ground utilities like power lines and things like that, the cable, all of that. They're finally, you know, working on making that underground. Yeah, and um, like my. Uh, when my for a while my uh, 
you know, phone and internet lines are still above ground. And this was about 10 years ago. The, I think the, uh, the landscaping guys that our homeless homeless association hires, um, they were outside and they were cutting the grass and then, you know, you could hear like the little weed whacker or whatever going. Mm -hmm. And then I heard this snap and everything Mm -hmm. got off. (laughs) no. Yep, uh, the cable went off, the internet went off, and it was just like you got to be kidding me. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, you you ever want to see young people lose their minds? Cut off the internet. Yeah, and see, I, and I well, you know, and I, even then, I was I was working from home a few days a week, and so I had to basically just, uh, you know, I had to just I had to go into the office until that thing was fixed. Ugh. Yeah, uh, it stinks. All right. Well, if you've noticed, I did not do my full round of introductions. Uh, minus Jason tonight. Jason taking a mental health day. You know, we, uh, you know, Jason's got some stuff, and he messaged us earlier. Said, "Hey guys, this should be the two of you. I need my own headspace time." And it's like, you know what? I appreciate that, Jason. We miss you. We look forward to seeing you back next week. But take all the time for you, man. I never wanted. You know, I enjoy doing this podcast. I hope our fans like it. Um, but, you know, I've always, you know, told these guys, life comes first, you know, before wrestling, before podcasting, take care of you and, and Jason, definitely take care of you, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, uh, that, yeah, that is the most important thing. You've got to, you've got to take care of yourself. Well, especially in this day and age, man, there's so much going on in the world. You know, it's, you know, some people are still, Rob, still working from home. Um, yeah. you know, my, my girlfriend will probably be working from home indefinitely because, you know, now that even though we're out of the worst of the pandemic, her company realized it's cheaper on them to have people work at home. So <laughs> here we are. Um, but that, that gets in your head, you know, it's, I can imagine you probably get a little bit stir crazy and a little bit, you know, you, you're looking for some, some contact, some human interaction, you know, other than, I don't know, do you guys do zoom meetings and things like that, Rob? Oh yeah. Um, so now, yeah, we um, we do all our meetings through, you know, Zoom type of meetings, and um, it's one well, the the one positive is that they go faster because when we, you know um, we had those you know we used to have staff meetings you know um, people would be tempted to want to give and start giving speeches. Oh, Jesus. And, yeah, we've got a couple of those. And then, you know, and then when they get to the, anybody have any questions? You know, there'd always be somebody, well, what about such and such? And it's like, bro, just talk to them after everybody leaves. But you, you were right at the finish line. It was in your grasp. And that one more question guy stands up and raises his hand. Yeah. So we don't have that now. Um, yeah. Now, you know, because... You know, people, you know, hey, people, the, whoever's talking or presenting, they go through their stuff. Um, maybe there's a couple of questions, you know, while it's going on. But once once they're done, everybody's just quick, like, all right, out of here. Yeah. Now, I, we did, yeah. um, we started, we went, started going back to the office in March. And so I go one day a week. And I will say it is, I do like being around people a little uh I still, the, the commute is still, I still, I'm still not, you know, the commute is what kills things for me now. 
but I do like breaking things up a little bit and just, you know, being around some people. Uh, it, it does. I think it, it helps because like I said, being in the house by yourself in front of a screen five days a week, it can make you a little, a little wacky. Yeah. Tina's feeling it. Like some days she's like, she has maybe one or two days a month where they do like an in-office function, like a, a, um, almost like a team building event. So she gets that, but there are some days I just come home and this poor girl, she's been at home for, you know, like 20 days straight and she's, and I'm her only outlet. So, you know, I, I work in the office. My job doesn't have allow me to work from home. And sometimes I watch you folks that work from home and, you know, I see it from a different perspective and I look at it differently. I'm like, as many times as my name gets paged overhead in a day or somebody comes looking for me because they've got a question or I just I get dragged in I'm like this morning was horrible. I was dragged in 50 million different directions. And there's some days where I'm like, you know what, God, I wish I could just work from home. You know, that way it, they would have to actually Zoom call me or something to reach me. And maybe I could get some of my work done. And, yeah. you know, and, and that so I maybe I take for granted the fact that, you know, I can go into the office. You know, I have my own office within the office and it's. I'm so I'm surrounded by some of my personal things, but I hear my office is nice. I rarely see it, um, <laughs> but I also know me well enough. Um, I'm a little too casual sometimes, so I, I probably would not be a very good work from home employee because I'd be in the middle of a Zoom call and you know, at some point, DJ, are you even wearing pants? No, no, oh, I'm not. Because uh, well, we we you can t- well, I turned the camera off. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, and we, and thankfully nobody, you know, where we work is, is some stickler about people having their cameras on. Nah. So, but yeah, getting back to it, man, mental health, so important, so important. And, you know, we advocate for that highly on here and often on here. And, you know, if Jason needs Jason needs a day, Jason needs a day. I took mine last night. Thankfully, we recorded tonight. And, uh, you know, we're going to try and provide you guys a great episode again this week. We're going to maybe call it in a ring a little bit. Um, we got, yeah. you know, kind of a loose, uh, kind of a loose outline is what we want to go with. We're going to swerve out of our lane and into the bandwagon nerds lane here a little bit. Uh, Rob and I have both seen the, the Flash movie, and I'm going to warn you here, there's going to be some spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, stop now. Come back to this episode later. We'll go watch the movie. I recommend you go watch the movie, regardless of whether you're on the fence about it or not, how you feel about it. We're going to talk about it here in a minute. I recommend going and seeing it if you're a fan of comic book movies, if you're a fan of what DC has done up until now, and even if you're just morbidly curious to see where they're going to go moving forward. I think The Flash is a great endpoint and starting point for the DC past and the DC future. We're going to get into that in a minute, but before we do, I want to invite you to go to the prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. From there, you can go pick up a variety of your favorite chair shot radio network t-shirts, including this podcast, the mindless wrestling podcast has a t-shirt there. Go check it out. Go pick one up, pick one up in soft style. Your skin will thank you. We will thank you. That is prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. Check them out there. Pick up a T-shirt for yourself. Pick up one for your loved one. So Rob and I have both seen the Flash film, and uh, we're going to talk about that here a little bit. Like I said, we're going to swerve into the bandwagon nerds territory, and you know I'm a 
sometimes guest host on the bandwagon nerds and one uh patrick o'dowd's probably going to take a lot of I'm going to take a lot of heat from Patrick over my my feelings on the Flash, but uh, Rob, I'm going to let you start, and we can just start with the overall vibe of the film before we get into some of the details and the spoilers. All in all, you and I have talked privately. You enjoyed it, yes? Yes, and okay. um, I actually, because like when I first when I started to seriously consider becoming a full time comic reader, like the first thing I actually read was Flashpoint. Um, I got it checked out of the library and I just, that was going to be basically, that was going to be my, I was going to read that and, and if, and if, if this felt like something I'd want to, you know, like something to be cool to do, then I was going to start, you know, checking out comics regularly. And so it was, um, this, the movie was, it was based on the, the flashpoint story and, now the, the comic version had a whole lot of other stuff in it that you just could not fit into a two and a half hour movie. So one thing I was really happy about was that they didn't try. It's <laughs> okay. <laughs> they, they stuck to the basic parts of the story, which was, you know, Barry goes back to save his mom and messes everything up in the process. And now he has to fix it. Mm-hmm. And like, that was the most important stuff. And of course, he meets some other heroes in this altered universe along the way, and they go to save the day, right? And that was the most important. Those that was the most important stuff, right? If I mean, because in the comic version, there was a whole thing. There was a war between the Amazons and the Atlanteans going on, and um, there was some other stuff with. Um, there was some stuff with like Brainiac doing some thing that involved like kid flash. And there was some other stuff going on with, um, you know, Thomas Wayne and, you know, like there were all these other things going on and they were, you know, and then they had basically an alternate version of almost every DC character. And, and so you just, you can't do all that in two and a half hours. And so they stuck to the stuff that really mattered and I was happy for them doing that because it made for a much better movie. And look, the biggest change, um, well in the comic version, when, you know, in the flashpoint universe, you know, Bruce Wayne is dead and Thomas Wayne is Batman. Right. Right. And he's like, basically like, you know, if if Frank Castle was Batman. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Let me ask you something before we go too much further, Rob, because oh, yeah. I have not read the Flashpoint book. Um, at some point, I want to buy it. I have watched the Flashpoint anime. Okay. How close was the animated movie to the book? Um, It was pretty close. Now, they also didn't left out a lot of those little subplots and everything. Right. Um, They did have the, the war between, you know, Atlantis and the Amazons. They had they had that included. But, you know, just the, you know, but it was, you know, the context just wasn't, you know, they, you didn't have time to really get the full context of it there. Right. Um, but they, they did include most, it came pretty close to the comic version, actually, if yeah. I remember right. Um, but, you know, I guess it, and then, 
again, you know, the Thomas Wayne Batman, um, who again was more like the Punisher <laughs> than, than Batman. Um, and there was a whole, you know, there was, you know, that, you know, in, in, the, in the comic version, you know, it was explained and all of that stuff. But no, I really enjoyed it. Um, and again, this was those of us who were, who were actually fans of what Zack Snyder had been doing. It sucks to see it have to go out the way, you know, to him. It sucks that he didn't get to, you know, enact the full, whatever his full vision of was for this. You know, he didn't get to do it. And it sucks that it ended prematurely. But I am happy that they actually did get to write an ending to it. You know, I guess you could say. Because, like, well, you know, because... Like with that Andrew Garfield Spider Man stuff, I I really was not happy that they just didn't do one more movie and finish the thing. You know, regardless of what people look, I liked the stuff they were doing. You know, a lot of people yeah. didn't, and I really just wanted them to finish it, and right. they didn't. But now, of course, we did get the uh, you know the appearance in the No Way Home, and that helped. But here, I am happy that they did, you know, basically find a way to finish this, and. You know, and they did a good job of finishing it, in my opinion. Yeah, I think all in all, they tied in. They did put a nice button on the end of the Zack Snyder universe. Um, you know, we got. I, I got. You know, I wanted wanted one. Well, my favorite part of Zack Snyder's DCEU was Ben Affleck's Batman. Yes. Like I really loved the work Ben Affleck did. I loved the the look of the suit. I loved the feel of everything. Everything that they did with him, I thought was spot on. And I had hoped that when Matt Reeves was in the early developmental stages of what would eventually become the Batman with uh, this kid from Twilight, his name escapes me right now. Pattinson, yeah. Yeah, Robert Pattinson. Um, Originally, he was supposed to work with um, Ben Affleck. They were working on a solo Batman outing, and they just, for whatever reason, could not nail down a script. You know, some of that may have just been, you know, Affleck was very open about the fact that his time with... Joss Whedon's version of what became the Justice League was exhausting on him, you know, emotionally, physically. He didn't want to do Batman anymore, so he had pretty much checked out by that point. But he was open to, you know, doing a film with Matt Reeves, and it was a Batman film, but they just could not lock down a script. That eventually disintegrated. You know, Ben Affleck went his own way, and, you know, any hopes that we would get him back as, as Batman just kind of evaporated in that moment. It was nice to see him get to finally, again, like Andrew Garfield, kind of write the end of his story. And, you know, seeing him one more day, it wasn't like it was, I was worried when the early trailers came out. I was like, okay, we've got Ben Affleck. He's going to be in here for like 30 seconds. And this is all I'm going to get. And we're going to transition over to Michael Keaton. And we didn't do that. We got Ben Affleck for probably, God, the whole opening sequence was what, 15, 20 minutes, Rob? Yeah, and it was man, it was excellent, man. It was great. The, first, the opening season, uh, the opening uh, scenes, the whole sequence in the Flash movie was incredible. Yes, and you know, so we got to see you know him do some some basically do some Batman stuff, and, yeah, and you know that, and we got to see Flash do some you know, do his thing, and we got the little run in there by Wonder Woman at the, at the <clears> end of it. Which was interesting because reports were saying that Gal Gadot's uh, part got cut. We know Henry Cables did. 
Yeah. Um, but they were saying Gal Gadot's got cut as well, but they didn't. She had a little cameo in there. Yeah. And um, and I and so that was it was nice to see. And then you know we got you know uh, Aquaman in the post credit scene. So it was nice to see you know those folks all get one more go round. Um. Now that being said, you know, um, Michael Keaton is fucking outstanding. Oh God, he he solidified, you know, his stake as the greatest live action Batman. Yes, like that was so. Forget what you think you. Okay, let's put aside people complaining about the CG. People complaining about, and we'll, I'm going to talk about some of this because some of my guys on the bandwagon nerds had some complaints with Flash, and I'll lean into the argument because I had this discussion with them in a, in a chat, but Michael Keaton, if that didn't just absolutely fulfill your fan, like service, I don't know what to tell you, man. Cause he just knocked it out of the park. Yes. And Oh my God. I mean, and out of look out of all the Batman actors, he's the one who, you know, he's having fun doing this. Yes, because a lot of times, yeah. you know, the, the the actors who play Batman, they the way they talk about it almost seems like a chore or like a mm. a burden. Um, he so the whole time he, you know, he he he, it's very clear he's having fun doing all of this stuff, man. Yeah, it um, it, God, I, I was going to go somewhere with this. It seemed like they because there was one of the guys, uh, Dave Unger, on um, Bandwagon Nerds seem to think that even though they they showed you in the trailer the original Batmobile he seemed to think that this version was actually going to be Thomas Wayne and i think what they did was he was a he was definitely Bruce Wayne in the film like let's not you know oh, he, yeah, he was batman yeah. he was Bruce Wayne's batman but that batman had become a little bit more of what Thomas Wayne was in the um in the flashpoint book slash animated movie uh, much more grizzled, uh, much less um, empathy and sympathy for criminals, um, and, and just a, a genuine sense of kind of he. Without spoiling too much, because I want you to go see the film if you haven't seen it already. He's burdened by Batman, and they have to kind of bring him back to, you know, why were you Batman to begin with? Yeah. And and that was neat to see because they didn't give us Thomas Wayne, but they gave us a version of Bruce Wayne who was close enough to what Thomas Wayne was in the book. And honestly, I'm glad they didn't because you know I, I you know um, they're they're just recently there are way too many kind of Batman writers or whatnot who keep wanting to do that type of, who keep wanting to do the, the, the Frank Miller version. Yeah, and. It, it's get. I mean, it's that that's supposed to be a departure. It's not supposed to be like the norm. And right. <clears throat> so I was happy they went the way that they did because man, um, and like I said, Michael Keaton is just great. And um, yeah, he, yeah, the, the 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 contest is over for whoever the best live action Batman. He put in he he put into that contest in this movie. There, he, there he is no, there is no debate. <laughs> At seventy, at seventy years old at the time of filming, he put that to bed, man. Yeah, and um, and look, he just and look, he reminded everybody he's just one of our great American actors, man. I mean, yeah, you know, because look, he doesn't have all. I think 
he doesn't quite hasn't quite done as many you know big successful movies as Tom Hanks or Denzel Washington or Tom Cruise but he has a pretty damn good resume of his own and you know it's easy to forget really cuz cuz a lot of times he plays these kind of quirky you know characters or whatever whereas you know um guys like Tom Hanks and Denzel and Tom Cruise played your traditional leading man type of characters right and Michael Keaton is usually playing kind of the quirky kind of offbeat kind of types but i mean he's just he is an excellent actor and it was great to see him in action one more time doing this and well, he's another look we, we didn't get a proper finish to his run as batman no we didn't there was he supposed did, to be yeah. a third one and he you know it just yeah what happened happened and so we never got a proper finish to that so this is not just a you know a good proper finish to the snyder verse this is a good proper finish for you know michael keaton is batman uh and so it's just one more reason you know to go check this out yeah. and and look i'll look I'll, I'll throw in here real quick because i know a lot of people basically some people a lot of people have said that because of ezra miller they're, they're not doing it and i'll just say if that's if that's what you're thinking i got no problem with that i'm not i'm not here to tell you that well, you should go see it anyway you know no i'm not going you know um but I do have an issue with people who went to see it and who kind of feels like they wrote their review about a year ago. And, right. <laughs> you know, based on what they, how they, you know, and they came in the, to the movie prepared to just not like it. Yeah. And I think that's where some of that CGI stuff you want to talk about came from. Yeah, we can talk about that in a minute. I One reason, don't, don't go see the movie for Ezra Miller. There were a dozen other cast members in there that deserve your attention. And one notable one is this girl. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Sasha Cowley. Oh, yeah. Played yes, Cara yes. Zor-El. She yes. was so damn good as Supergirl. Yes. Like she really was one of the most enjoyable parts of the film outside of the fan service stuff like Michael Keaton and a few other little things that we'll touch on shortly that I wanted to see. She was a standout in this film. And if for no other reason, go check her out, you know, yes. because I would love to see her come back in some way, shape or form and reprise that role. Yes. And, and I, I <laughs> hope, yeah, you know, I know that James Gunn has to, you know, they're making decisions on who they're going to, you know, who gets, who they want to keep around and who they want to recast. Yeah. Um, I really hope they keep her around. Yeah. She was very, very good. Yes. Yes, she, and it she was, was excellent. And again, it kind of again, I'm I'm only going on the animated version that I saw where um the flash they had to go rescue Superman because Superman ended up um crash landing in Metropolis in the um animated version. I don't know how it happened in the books, but the government collected him, kept him in a uh, a room with Red Sun and basically kept him weakened yeah, throughout his entire life and they they used that part of the story with Cara Zarel. Um, she was capped, but, but and again, it was a nice nod to um, Red Sun Superman. She crash landed in Russia, and I thought that was a nice little nod to the Red Sun Superman. She crash landed there, but again, they had her captive there. But it, again, it was a nice nod to the book slash animated film where she took over the role from Kal El as the 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 captured. Uh, Kryptonian that was kept under the red sunlights and 
you know, weakened and they had to bring her out and rescue her. I thought that was that was really well done. And that was a nice nod to the book. Absolutely. And um, like I said, I hope she sticks. I hope, hope they they find some, you know, way to keep her around because she did a really good in that role. Yeah, she was she was awesome. Great, great casting. She played it off well as she looked. The suit was incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The suit was great. Um, a couple of things to pick apart, and and you know I'm not going to lean too heavily into it because this isn't necessarily my opinion, though I can't argue it. The there were points of this movie now with Flashpoint, the book and the animated movie, it was definitely a reset of the timeline. Like he went back and he altered the past, which in turn altered the future. In this particular Flash movie type Flashpoint, they introduced more of a multiversal type thing, and it felt more like a multiverse type of film than it did an actual timeline type of film. You know what I'm saying, Rob? Yeah. And, and that was a complaint of some people. They were a little miffed that we didn't get a, you know, panel by panel recreation of the flashpoint. Um, <clears throat> but like you said, at the beginning of the episode, Rob, it's hard to do that. Like there was so much material in the flashpoint graphic novel and all the, you know, or if you bought the comics individually, um, there was so much content. You can't fit that into a two and a half hour movie. Hell, they barely even fit it into the you know ninety minute anime that they did. And, yeah, and they even touched on more of the actual timeline aspect than the movie did. But I was, they explained it in the context of the movie how the multiverse was affected. So while I, I can understand some frustration with it not being a true Flashpoint movie, I didn't necessarily have a problem with the fact that it was more multiversal than one singular timeline. Right. And then also, um, well, because here, like one thing, um, it was harder to do that here because in the, in the comic version, you know, they, um, the, the villain of the story was... Uh, a big part of everything and you you couldn't do that here because you i mean you know the the villain from flashpoint um he and barry have this long history and you have to kind of go in knowing you know knowing and understanding their history and their relationship right so to do they since that character was never introduced in film here it, I, you know, they didn't have time to to really flesh that out. So, I think yeah, the, I mean the way that they, I think the way they handled it, I thought was fine. Um, and also, I mean, the, I think the way one of the reasons they did the kind of multiversal thing was it was also just kind of to pay tribute to several different iterations of, you know, DC characters. Yeah. Um, and actually, we won't spoil that, but um. I think that's what a lot of that was, you know, because there were a lot of tributes to a lot of different versions of DC characters in one part of the movie. And so by by making and, you know, they've done that in other um, when they did the Crisis on Infinite Earths on TV, they did a similar kind of thing. Um, and look, honestly, it's, it's to me, it's. Since there have been just so many different versions of DC stories in live action and, you know, and cartoons and what have you. I think it's good that they do that because I mean, like Marvel didn't have that really extensive history of people of TV shows and this, that, and the other. 
so they can yeah they can kind of present the mcu as kind of one central kind of thing um but in dc like i said there was you know i mean there have been so many different live action batmans there have been so many different live action supermans um that i think it's fine to go ahead and just give a nod to all of them you know yeah so I <clears throat> And, and the other thing would be, and maybe I'm wrong, and, and Rob, you, you're probably a little bit deeper into the comics um, lore than I am. The first comics I remember reading were Crisis on Infinite Earths. So for me, in my fandom, and my reading of books, DC established a multiverse decades before Marvel did. Like, in my reading, in what little bubble I was in, Marvel had one timeline. There was one Spider-Man, one Captain America one Hulk, one Iron Man, and one Thor, and that was it, you know? Well, yeah, and I think, and well, and some of that was just, it was a way to cover for kind of stopping and starting of certain books or, you know, or just kind of when they just kind of revamped certain things. Like, you know, Batman got revamped several times, you know, in, in print, right? I mean, yeah, like the original Batman carried a shotgun, <laughs> okay? Yeah. <laughs> okay, and it was, you know, and he used it. Right. And then so that character got revamped and then there was, you know, there was a Justice Society. They were like a group of they were the kind of precursor to the Justice League. And then the Justice League was created later. So then to explain, you know, what happened, well, what happened to the Justice Society? Oh, well, they were that they were actually on a different Earth. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's how that stuff happened. Right. Or when when they went from Jay Garrick as the Flash to Barry Allen. Well, Jay Garrick didn't get killed. So to explain well, what happened to Jay Garrick, he well he's on Earth. He was actually on Earth too, right? Yeah. And, um. So that's where a lot of the, so the multiverse stuff was done, basically as, as a way of covering their tracks, for kind of doing all these revamps of the different characters over time. Mm-hmm. Um. Whereas with Marvel, Marvel pretty much had one central thing because. One, it started later. Well, I mean, other, yeah, I mean, it, it started later for the most part. And it was, things were a lot more centralized with Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and some other people. It, it, it was, whereas DC, because actually um, a lot of these DC characters were in, it was almost like a territory system, right? Um, and that all got consolidated under DC. So Shazam mm-hmm. was a different thing entirely, in a different place entirely. And, you know, and some other people. So they had the uh, base, you know, the, the multiverse thing was basically as a way of just kind of covering all of that stuff. Whereas Marvel just kind of Marvel was a lot more centralized when it started and when it got rolling. So you didn't have to, you know, you, you didn't have to explain, well, you know, what, what Captain, well, why is Captain America Fred Jones in 1970 and he was Steve Rogers back in 1940, right? You don't have to, you didn't have to explain that. Right, right. You know, or you, you know, you didn't have a Spider-Man back in 1940 and then a different one in 1960, so you didn't, you didn't have to worry about it. So you could just right. say, but we, you know, we got this one timeline here, right? Um, so DC's always, yeah, the multiverse has always has been a thing for a lot longer because it was needed to explain stuff. And again, Crisis Infinite, Crisis on Infinite Earth, of course, is like the you know the big, like the first really huge kind of multiversal story, right? Uh, and so it's just it's a different thing, right? Um, and it and and now and more recently in the comics, 
the way they've written it is just basically there's that, you know, <clears throat> everything that you ever written in DC comic happened. You know, well, like, yeah, they tried to con- just consolidate everything into one timeline under the new 52. And I think they crapped the bed on it, didn't they? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, because I mean, a lot of people, they're just, they changed, you know, they made some changes to a lot of things and a lot of people didn't like a lot of those changes. So right. they finally kind of, they gave up on it, but they wanted, well, because when they started New 52, there were things that they wanted to keep from the previous continuity. Right. Right. Like they wanted to keep all the green, all the Green Lantern history was kept. All the Batman history was kept. Right. And so it made things a little messy. So when they finally moved on from New 52, what they basically said was that, you know, every, you know, everything that ever happened in a DC comic is canon, basically. And it's just, and so they, and they made all these, these, you know, these different kind of universe resets. Yeah. Previously, that was a business. That was just like a business decision. So now they've just, they've just written it in the canon that basically, like, yes, this universe has been reset a bunch of times. Okay. Yeah. It's, I'm, I have not bought a, a singular comic book in, but I think the last thing I bought that was like a singular comic was when they were uh, trying to introduce the, what was it? The, uh, the Watchmen. Okay. Into into the regular DC continuity, and you know which a lot of people belly ached about. I'm like, they have been holding on to this property for 30 years. They have been trying to find a way to fold it into continuity, and they finally did it. Yeah. So. And so, um, yeah, it's just so now. Look, everything that's ever happened in a D, in a DC comic is canon, um, and it's just and it's a, and now it's accepted that the universe has been reset a bunch of different times in a bunch of different ways, and you know, and you just go with it. <laughs> yeah, just it's comic books, folks. Not unlike wrestling. Sometimes you just gotta, you gotta go with it. Um, yeah. All in all, man, I, there's a lot more I could talk about the Flash, but I don't want to spoil too much for the folks that haven't seen it. Uh, there's some great fan service at the end, and it was good fan service without blowing the wad. Now, I had said from day one, I'm like, you know what? If this is going to be the end of all things, like if we're truly launching off from here. And James Gunn's going to do whatever James Gunn's going to do. Let's go balls to the wall. You know, I wanted Brandon Ralph. I wanted Christian Bale. I wanted, like, just every, just fucking throw it all out there. Throw it all out there. Throw all these, even if it's a two-minute, 30-second walk-on cameo of someone. Say, hey, yo, I was Batman, and I'm here, and I'm out. You know, I'm okay with that. Um, I just, at this point, I was just, like, fan service the shit out of it. But I also understand how problematic that can be. And then you eventually, now you're just building this movie to be fan service for the sake of being fan service. They didn't do that at the end. Like there was some really good fan service moments in the last 30 minutes of the film without being like, like without beating you over the head with it. It was, it was very clever in the way that it was handled. Yeah. And um, and we won't spoil it here, but there was one particularly great cameo within like the last thirty seconds of the movie. Absolutely caught me off guard. Like I knew a couple of the big cameos going in, like yeah. just because I'm an idiot and I didn't see the movie for you know a couple of days. And you know, of course, the internet is the internet. Thank you. Um, spoiled a couple of things. That one was not spoiled for me, and. This is why this leads me to believe this particular cameo, like this was the end of all things, because you cannot move forward from that unless there is a plan 
to use this person. You know what I mean? Because actually, um, well, he came in like kind of late to the game here because uh, apparently they, I think James Gunn may have asked him about it. And I think he, from what I've read, he saw like kind of a rough cut of the film and he said, <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll do it. And they kind of added it in. And Yeah. Now, that being said, a friend of mine who just saw the film yesterday and he and I talked about it, he absolutely loved it. He would, again, we talk about never getting to finish your story. He would love to see this particular person get another go at this particular character. Yeah. And, and I think that's fair. I think that's a fair thing to want because this particular person got a really bad rap. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if they decided, hey, let's let's do this, you know what? I'm here for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So... All right, I think if we go any deeper in the woods, Rob, we're going to really spoil this for some folks. Um, yeah, no, if yeah. you if you haven't seen The Flash and you're on the fence about it, go to a matinee, man. Just go see this film. Go see it. Don't don't listen to reviews. Fuck the reviews. It, it, even ours, you know. It's you know, it, uh, we enjoyed it collectively as a team. We hear we enjoyed it. A lot of people probably didn't. A lot of people are probably because of Ezra Miller's behavior. You know outside the scenes, um, set him aside, set bias of him aside, go watch this film for all the other reasons other than him. Now, that being said, he was incredible in it. And that's probably the biggest tragedy of this whole film is that his performance is getting overshadowed, rightfully so, by his extracurricular activity. Right. And that's and that sucks because, I, I, yeah, yeah, I thought – yeah, you know, I thought that was a good performance from Ezra. But like I said, but you know, you know what? When you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. So and yep, the stupid prizes, you're gonna have a hard time booking work in this town. Yeah. All right. Why don't we take a trip over to the genius corner? Uh, I want to bring up uh, we've got money in the bank coming up. We're gonna talk a little bit of wrestling now. We're gonna uh, that was a hard pivot. That was a hard pivot from, you know, comic book movie nerd stuff to pro wrestling because this is a wrestling podcast. It's in the name, the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, not the Mindless Flash Movie Review Podcast. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit of wrestling. We're going to talk just a little bit about Money in the Bank, but not so much the pay-per-view because our premium live event, Deej, premium live event. <laughs> Roll that off the tongue. Premium live event. Let me get with the times. Uh, the premium live event is coming up in what nine days? Uh, uh, um, on the was it like July first or something? Yeah, like I think that? it's it's next Saturday. Yeah, uh, which uh, which is uh, eight days away from today. It'll be a week away from from the day this podcast drops. It'll be seven days from now, because yeah. um, we drop on Saturday. Um, so premium live event, Money in the Bank, WWE. Uh, Want to talk specifically, Logan Paul. Uh, Logan Paul came out and made an announcement that he is in the Money in the Bank ladder match without having a qualifying match. And, of course, the usual suspects got up in their feelings about it. Um, how come everybody else had to qualify, but Logan Paul gets to come out and call his shot? Rob, is he's, he's our data guy. He's our numbers guy. He's our genius. He has pulled some data to explain to you fine folks who apparently have not been watching this shit for very long. <laughs> Why WWE continues to do the things that it does. Rob, you want to take over? Yes. Okay. So um 
All right. Well, and that what really did it here, because um, I saw some people who not only were they not happy about him being in the match, but there's some real fear and paranoia that he's going to win. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I saw a lot of people have been working for this all their career and he's going to come in there and win it. Um, all right. So before I get to the data, let me just say this. Okay. The, the, the men's money in the bank briefcase has been since the brand split started with maybe one or two exceptions has just been not good. Okay. Baron Corbin had it. He won in 2017, he had it for about a month. Um, he had a failed cash in, and the failed cash in was just went over. Was just like a dud. Okay. Um, then we had Braun Strowman won it. He tried to cash in the honorable way, and he had a match with Roman Reigns. And then Brock Lesnar comes into Hell in a Cell and beats the crap out of both of them, and you, you end up with a no contest in a Hell in a Cell match, which is also ends up being a failed cash in, which stinks. Yeah. Okay. Um, then Otis won. Otis winning was great. The moment when he won it, we were all like, oh, this is great. This is Otis. Yay. And then you wake up the next morning and you're like, wait a minute. Otis has the briefcase. Otis is not going to be world champion. Otis is not winning the world championship. Um, so what are we going to do with this? And they ended up having to take it off of him. I tell you what, though, those Law and Otis segments were. That, yeah, no, that was they were that, cold. That, that was great stuff. But you know, it's just the fact that you know Otis having the briefcase was just you know you knew he wasn't going to win the, the world title. And then last year was the worst of them all because they had Theory and Roman had both belts, and you knew you everybody knew that they were not going to have Roman's title reign come to an end with the briefcase. So not with Austin Theory holding it. Well, with any, I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't think with, not well, with anybody, but sir, and this isn't a knock on Austin Theory. He'll be at there one day. He's not there yet. Yeah, but um, they were certainly not going to have Austin Theory beat Roman Reigns with a briefcase last year. So the, so it was, you know, I, I used the word, you know, sunk cost. That's how I referred to the men's briefcase last year, um, because it was just they were just kind of stuck with it, and then then he ended up cashing it in on the U.S. champion and, and failed. So, I mean, it's gotten to the point with the with the men's briefcase. Um, it needs some type of it needs some type of redemption here. It, it needs something to make it worth <clears throat> while again. Yeah. Um, and if you look at who else is in this match, okay, I mean, because like right now, other than Logan Paul, the favorites are Damian Priest and LA Knight. Um, LA Knight, were he to win, LA Knight is not winning. LA Knight is not beating Roman Reigns. LA Knight is not beating Seth Rollins. No. Briefcase, briefcase or no briefcase. Okay. Um, so then, what do you want to have LA Knight cashing on Austin Theory? I mean, really? Okay. Um, and if Damian Priest wins, yeah, he could cash in on Seth Rollins, but we know good and well if that happened, he would be champ for about a month and Seth Rollins would win the belt right back. Yeah. So do we really want to do that? Do we? I mean, it, it'd be great for Priest, don't get me wrong. But in the grand scheme of things, do, do you really want to do that? Um, so Logan Paul winning the briefcase. Um, Say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. If he fails to cash in, it's perfectly fine because he's Logan Paul. He's not a full-time wrestler. But if he does cash in successfully, you're telling me that Logan Paul cashing in around January and then keeping the belt until WrestleMania and then losing it back to Seth Rollins in a big WrestleMania match, you're telling me that wouldn't be great? Buddy, we have got to have a real discussion about how the wrestling business works. You and I are the template for people who got into this shit because and more specifically wwe because you and i watched wrestling like before we watched wwe yeah but there's a specific thing that we look for in wwe and it's not always the wrestling we we are treated to some incredible wrestling sometimes from wwe you and i are the template for the fan that got roped into this by the celebrity and it started way, way back in what, 1984, 85 with yes. Mr. T. You know, everybody in our age range watched the A team. And Mr. We watched Mr. T in Rocky Three. And Mr. T was the celebrity if you were a 13, 12, 13, 14 year old kid back in the 80s. Mr. T was that guy. Yes. And, and we all tuned in to WrestleMania 2. To see Mr. T. And because I didn't know who this shit Hulk Hogan was. Like, honestly, I didn't. I tuned in like I for Mr. T. Yes, same here. I didn't you know. know. I had no idea where any of these people were, but I knew who Mr. T was. Right. And, and, and way, Jason, go Mr. ahead. I'm sorry. Mr. T in 1984 and 1985, Mr. T was as big as Logan Paul is today. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, like our missing co host, missing in action, Jason, was brought back into this. By Stephen Amell, you know, of Arrow. He did his little match with Cody Rhodes, and he had his little feud with Stardust. And Jason was pulled back into this, and, you know, now, a decade later, and, and a podcast later, is still very much a part of this fandom. So there's a reason why WWE keeps going, and wrestling in general. Wrestling has always used celebrities. We've gone back to how much would people have bitched today 
if WWE, if, if if Muhammad Ali as a boxer was a was alive and in his prime today, how much of a shit fit would people have about Muhammad Ali coming on WWE programming and wrestling somebody? Because they did that back in the day. Muhammad Ali wrestled what was it, Gorilla Monsoon, oh, Antonio Inoki, Antonio Inoki, and they did this because he was a huge celebrity. And Muhammad Ali was a wrestling fan. He was. He was a huge fan. And like he based, I mean, and he even said he based a lot of his rap and everything, a lot of his persona was based off of what he saw in pro wrestling. Yeah. So, um, so he was, and so he was a fan. He was a fan of the business, and you know, and these guys who are getting in the ring now, Logan Paul, Bad Bunny, like these guys, they respect the business. Yeah. Like yes, I mean, there was a time where you had people. Yeah, there were sometimes you had people who were they were there to plug their project. They would do a, a goofy tag team match. They would stand on the apron for most of the match, and they would come in the ring and do maybe one or two things and tag out, and it, you know, or whatever. Um, no, but like Logan Paul is serious about this stuff, and if you're telling me that from February to the beginning of April that it wouldn't be a good idea to have Logan Paul on the set of his show with the WWE, with the World Championship sitting behind him to his audience of millions of people. If you're telling me that that would be a bad thing to have him do that for two months and then go out there and with at WrestleMania with Seth Rollins or whoever, you know, and then drop the belt at WrestleMania, if you're telling me that would be bad, then I don't know what, you know what, I got nothing for you because I'm sorry. Look, I get it. Yes, we want people, you want, you know, somebody who's been working you know a long time to get their just reward but it look it doesn't work that way folks yeah okay i'm sorry look if you spend 20 years in the wrestling business it means you spent 20 years in the wrestling business okay um and look i mean give you an example okay look yeah i've been in my job for over 20 years when i hit 20 years you know what they did they gave me a plaque (laughs) and and you, you know what they didn't do they didn't put me in charge they didn't make you the manager, huh? No, they, they gave me a plaque. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, if somebody's there 15 years, 20 years, you know what? They can have a main event on Monday Night Raw. They can go over. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, there you go. Okay. And you can have a celebration on TV of their 20 years or something. Right. I mean, um, but as far as holding that belt and it's a, look, it is a new championship belt. They are, you know, you have to make they, you know, you're they're constantly trying to make inroads beyond the wrestling bubble, and that is a constant process. Like you can't do it for six months and then say, "Okay, we did enough." You have to keep making those overtures. And again, Logan Paul is a, he is serious about wrestling. You know, he um so and he commits. You know, if if he wins, he he is going to. He's going to do some downright crazy shit in that match, um, and he's he's going to he's going to commit. And if he gets the briefcase, he will commit to you know carrying the briefcase. He'll have the briefcase behind him on set on his show. He you know when it's time to cash in, he will fully commit to doing that. And then you know it'll be it'll be good. It'll be I mean because. Look, that's what this stuff is. It's it's about entertainment, um, and now to now to back up what I'm saying, here's here's a little information for you. So, Logan Paul was on Monday Night Raw, 
this past Monday. And he had the highest rated segment on the show. Which means that regardless of what you think, Mr. or Mrs. IWC, you know, again, we've said before, wrestling Twitter is maybe 10% of the audience. Okay. So the other 90% are people who just watch the television show mainly. They dig Logan Paul. Okay. And so here's what happened. All right. Logan Logan Paul came out there at nine o'clock. So the previous segment from 845 to nine o'clock, they had 1.88 million viewers. Logan Paul goes out, comes out there. It goes up to 2.01 million viewers. So it went up by over a hundred thousand people from him going out there. And then the segment after he was done, it goes, it went back down to 1.91 million. So it, it went up a hundred thousand while he was there and it, it immediately went down a hundred thousand more after he left. And it continued to go down until Trish Stratus came out there at 10 o'clock. Yeah. Okay. So people want to see the guy. He is a draw. He brings attention from outside the wrestling bubble. And, and look, you have to do that because, you know, you look, you, you need these basically like you need the the big, you need the big spikes in business to basically kind of store fans and store money away for when the, from when the next down cycle comes. Yeah. Okay. Um, they made it through the new generation era was a downtime for the business. They, Made it through it though, because they had built up so much through Hulkamania and all of that that you know there was enough there to sustain it. Um, when things kind of tailed off after the Attitude Era, they had built up so much from the Attitude Era that they were able to, to make it through to the next phase. Um, when Cena went part time, they had built up enough from when he was full time that they were able to you know what they didn't drop off very much until you know things picked back up again. Well, um, and at that point in time, Vince had smartened up enough to say, hey, we need to build WWE as a brand, not build the brand around one person like they did with Hogan, like they did with The Rock and Austin. They need to build like, – and this is why, and I know a lot of people have a lot of problems with the way the WWE brands its championship belts with the big logo on it. There's a reason for that. The, the world wrestling entertainment should be the draw. Yeah, right now, Roman Reigns is the centerpiece to that draw, but the the brand itself should be the draw. And, and finally, we're there, and this is why WWE is so sustainable. And this is why when people make the argument, well, it's not as popular as it was during the Attitude Era, shut up, you're full of shit, okay? WWE is just doing a different type of business now. But I can promise you, if you compared numbers to dollars and dollars to numbers, WWE as a company is every bit as popular now, both in the wrestling bubble and mainstream as it was during the Attitude Era. We have more crossover mainstream appeal now because of people like Logan Paul, to a lesser degree because of people like Stephen Amell, 1,000% because of people like Bad Bunny. You know, uh, Logan Paul has 20, what, 23, 24 million social media followers. Bad Bunny's fandom probably counts into the tens, if not hundreds of millions just on his own. 
Like, and, and I'm not, I, I can't speak to the numbers for Bad Bunny. I don't listen to his music. I know who he is. But I, the guy is single-handedly the most, the, the biggest music artist in the world. You know, arguably the yeah. biggest in the world. And he is very passionate about WWE, very passionate about pro wrestling. And, and that mainstream crossover is important. And the way I look at it is this. I take, like, one of my all-time, you know, favorites, Tommaso Ciampa, came back on Monday night. Thank you, Tommaso Ciampa. I'm glad you're healthy enough again to continue your career. Welcome back. This is my dream. At some point, I would love to see Tommaso Ciampa raise the World Heavyweight Championship title over his head and, and be crowned champion because he just won. You know what I want more for Tommaso Ciampa? Is for his bank account to be reflective of the work that he's put in. And if it's reflective of that because Logan Paul won the Money in the Bank ladder match and went on to become WWE World Heavyweight Champion, if guys like Tommaso Ciampa get a raise because guys like Logan Paul jump to the front of the line, I want that for Tommaso Ciampa. I want that for Gargano. I want that for all the people on the roster who maybe don't get a shot every week. Who, you know, this 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 sense from the IWC that everybody gets a turn. Well, maybe the people that are never going to get a turn, maybe their paycheck goes up two or three hundred thousand dollars a year. I'm okay with that. I'm fairly sure when the check clears, they're okay with that. You know, and if a guy like Bad Bunny, Logan Paul, somebody like that is gonna bring in that additional revenue, those additional viewers, I'm here for that. How can you shit on that? How can you sneeze on that? Like, how can you turn your nose up? at better business for your favorites. Right. And it's, um, and even look, even if it's no more than a big spike on the one show that they do. Right. Cause I know some people will make the argument that, well, that, well, they, they come in and they do the one show and the one show does a whole lot of business, but then the rest of the year, things kind of settle back down, you know, and, and even if that's true, um, it's still worth it to do that. Right. Right. It's still worth it. Uh, well, it go ahead it and finish is. your thought, and then I've got a counterpoint to that. Okay. It, I mean, it's it's still worth it. It is still worth it to, you know, to get get a big spike at WrestleMania, a big spike at the Royal Rumble, a big spike at SummerSlam, even if the rest of the year things settle back down to some normal level. It's still worth it to do that. Yeah. Let's use this podcast as, as an example. Let's say our... Our average viewer tunes in and and they listen to us, but they listen to us because of Jason. Okay. Jason is, Jason is the guy. Jason's the guy they tuned in to listen to. Jason's not here this week. Well, Jason's not on. I'm not going to watch. You know, if Rob and I can't maintain that audience with our personality, with our input, with our, you know, the, what we do here, that's on us, you know, and that's the same with the wrestling. If Logan Paul brings in a little over 2 million viewers and then is gone for three weeks, it's your favorite's job to keep the attention of the people that Logan Paul brought in. And some of that is on booking. Some of that is booking, creating storylines and angles and things like that that are interesting enough. But at the end of the day, people tune into the characters. You know, if there's nobody else that could do the bloodline story, except the people that were doing it. You plug anybody else into that role. They are not doing the numbers that they're doing. 
Okay, so it is very much the excuse me the character as much as it is the story. And if your wrestler as a character and what they're doing on TV is not keeping the people that the Logan Pauls and the Bad Bunnies are bringing in, that's not on the Bad Bunnies or the Logan Pauls. You know, your people need to be doing enough to keep the people that are tuning in. Hey, let me see what Bad Bunnies are. Hey, who's this Champa guy? You know, who's this Bobby Lashley guy? You know, who's this Bianca Belair girl? You know, they need it. It's their job at that point to keep those people. And if they can't, then that's kind of an indictment on them. Yeah, and um, it is. And now, now, do you expect, realistically speaking, do you expect the rank and file to do bad money numbers? No, you don't. No. But but if it's if you're wondering why your favorite mid Carter is getting bumped for Logan Paul or is getting bumped for Bag Bunny, then that's your reason why. Okay. Right. And when we, when we have these conversations about people getting chances and why do these same people get the big matches and the big pushes? And I can tell you from now a good, almost two years of looking at this data, they push the people they push for a reason. Yeah. Okay. WWE is in the, in, in the business of making money and they're not going to take somebody off TV. That's making the money. Right. And, because look, the, and look, there are some people who directly sell tickets. You know, there are some people who simply there are some people who either maintain the TV audience well or add a few people to the TV audience when they're on. And and those and those people remain in the positions they're in, and they're not going to move those people out to give someone else a chance. <laughs> okay, um, they're they're not and. You know, uh, that's just not how it works. I mean, people who have proven that they deliver something are going to are going to stay on the show. Um, And. Bad Bunny has delivered. Logan Paul has delivered. Um, They both have. And. I mean. And if you're telling me that. I mean, seriously, I mean, if you're telling me that Logan Paul carrying that belt around for two months. I'm sorry, Logan Paul carrying that belt around for two months is going to do more business than Damian Priest carrying that belt around for two months. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately, that's not a knock on Priest. No, and I awesome. love Damian Priest. I would love to see I Damian too. Priest. I would love to see him with the briefcase. I would love to see him cashing in. I would love to see him holding that belt. But, okay, but Logan Paul is going to do more business holding that belt for two months than Damian Priest is. Um, he is, okay, and he would he would Logan Paul will do more business as the United States champion for two months than, than LA Knight would. Okay. Um, and that's just what it is. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and, and look, Logan Paul wanted to do it right. Like then it's not, I mean, they didn't, they're not running around chasing after celebrities and just begging and begging and begging celebrities to be on their show. Okay. Logan Paul wanted to do it. Bad Bunny wanted to do it, okay? Um, so, look, when you have somebody who wants to be there and who delivers something, then, yes, you know what? Some people, yes, they, they do get moved up, okay? And so if, if Logan Paul wins the match, y'all just, you know what? Look, y'all going to need to live with that, okay? 
All right. If he cashes in the briefcase and, and wins the title, y'all gonna need to live with that. Okay. Um. And again, because quite frankly, again with the men's briefcase, it needs it needs some type of it needs a jolt of energy because yeah. it's been kind of slumming along here for a while, and to the point where look if they, if they can't concoct some a better outcome a more interesting outcome a, a more exciting outcome with it if they can't concoct one now then i'm here to say it's time to take a pause on the whole concept for a bit well you talked about that last year we talked what well, maybe it was a little bit earlier this year at some point in the past that was your stance like you felt like they needed to shelve the money in the bank contract process for at least a couple of years well, yeah, because cause just they had gotten to the point where they're just, I mean, like, not every year, but just it seemed like several times just the the outcome with the, the men's briefcase in particular was just not very satisfying to anybody. Has there been a good one since Seth Rollins cashed in? Um, I'd say Big E. Uh, Big E, um... Yeah, I mean the premise. I, I, I know the premise did. where he's a babyface and he, you know, he cashed in. He didn't really necessarily cash in the honorable way, but I say, but at least people were excited and people were happy. I'd say it. the lead up to that was better than the payoff. Like the lead up with him carrying the briefcase was incredible. Big E was a menace with yeah. that money in the bank briefcase. And then the, the bit where. Ad- and the bit where Baron Corbin just like took it from him and was walking around with it like it was his. Yeah, it was great television. And then you know the night of the night of he was basically like, "Look, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. I'm not telling you when." Everything up until the point of impact with Big E's Money in the Bank run was really really good. And then it just and, and I've talked about this on this show. My girlfriend had a huge issue with the way they booked Big E winning it. Because, you know, Bobby Lashley was in the middle of a match, injured his knee, Big E comes out to pick the bones. Not exactly a babyface thing. And Big E's like the babyface at the time. Yeah. Like, that dude was the biggest babyface in the company at the time. And now he's out here pulling a heel move. And, you know, except my girlfriend, who is the most casual of casuals, had an issue with it. I thought it was hilarious because of the lead-up. And, and the way they did it, I was fine with it. But again, we have to, we're in the bubble, Rob. Yeah, that's true. And when I, when I look at what WWE does as a company, I look at my girlfriend. I look at her reaction to what's happening on the TV. Because she doesn't do the internet. She's not on Twitter. She doesn't listen to our podcast. She sure as shit doesn't listen to anybody else's wrestling podcasts. So she's not, quote unquote, in the know. You know, so when she watches it, she watches it the way WWE fans or way WWE wants its fans to watch it. And she had an issue with the way it was booked. Right. Because because what happens is the people who watch the show the way it's supposed to be watched, when something doesn't make sense, they'll they'll come out and say, well, wait a minute, what the hell is this? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And. You know, and, and whereas, you know, we'll start kind of analyzing and equivocating and, well, you know, they just go, uh, 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 I mean, on that kind of basic level, yeah, if it just, again, to the, on that basic level, people like your girlfriend will just say, well, look, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. Right. right. He's supposed to be this tough guy. He's the good guy. Why did he do the bad guy thing? 
Yeah, and then, and then they don't, and it's, and then you know, for us to say, well, well, Big E deserves it. Yeah, <laughs> right? that doesn't work with like with the people who watch the show the way it was intended. That argument doesn't work. No, it doesn't work at all. <laughs> because because again, because we're because you're not talking about the character. You're talking about the man who plays the character, and you think that the man who plays the character deserves this reward because he's been toiling at this job for seven or eight years, right? right. And, you know, and again, that doesn't work when people watch the show the way it was intended. It it doesn't work that way. Um, so I do. I get what you're saying about Big E. So in essence, I mean, there just haven't been. Um, yeah, you're so, you know, again, the Baron Corbin one was not good. The Braun Strowman one was not good. Um, you know, Otis, again, Otis winning was fun and the, the Otis in court thing was fun. The rest of it was just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, Theory last year was a debacle. Um, right. Um, I mean, he looked incredible with it, but the way they the way they did it was d- didn't help anybody. Look, I mean, they might as well give me a Uta briefcase last year. I mean. Yeah. Um, and it's just, so you need, you need something to put some more energy into it. Um. I think this world heavyweight championship is the right way to do that. Like, I think you can reinvigorate the money in the bank ladder match. Cause let's face it. Roman's belt, Roman's championship is tied up for at least the next 12 months. Yes. At least. So nobody's winning that. Nobody's cashing in on that successfully. If we're going to build any believability around the Money in the Bank briefcase again, it's got to be with the belt that Seth Rollins wears around his waist right now. And I think it's we can springboard into something really good with this, and you can bounce that championship around a little bit because it's not tied to a storyline. Right. And then also, I mean, and look, nobody, I mean, nobody wants to see the briefcase used on the United States championship or the IC title. Nobody wants that. I mean, no, that's, you know, it, cause it, if, if you got to resort to doing that, then, then again, you need to put the thing on pause. Yeah. So if you want it put in play for one of the top titles, then I mean, it just, it needs to be in play for one of the top titles and it needs to have some energy behind it. And both in it being held and it being cashed in and all that. And to me, of the people they put in this match, I think Logan Paul is the best choice. And I think that Logan Paul will deliver in every way imaginable. Absolutely. And I think next week we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about the uh, the Money in the Bank premium live event. Yes. But uh, moving on from there, let's talk a little bit of Rhea Ripley. And, you know, Rob, you and I had talked um, off air about Rhea Ripley and this. There's a certain pocket of fans, again, some people in the bubble who think that her current championship run has been kind of dull. Like it's been a bit of a flop. It's not been great. I don't necessarily echo that sentiment. But again, Sticking in the sticking around the, the genius corner, Rob again has pulled the, the data on Rhea Ripley, and it's uh, this is a tale of three different stories. And, and Rob's going to break that down a little bit here. Yeah. So now, first of all, like I guess the the complaint that people is out there 
It's basically that she barely interacts with the women's division and that 90% of the time she's on TV, it's with the judgment day doing judgment day stuff. And that, and that the few times she does interact with one of the women, it's a squash. And, and, you know, she comes out there and she does the squash and then it's over and she goes on about her business. And so there, you know, and there's, you know, so just that, you know, this, and the, basically that, it, that no one else is really getting a chance to really even do anything, you know, with her, you know, as a result where, because look, I mean, in, you know, in previous women's championship reigns, you know, the, the women's champion, whoever it is, will be in some tag team matches and some six woman matches, and they'll have a, maybe a fatal four way to determine the next challenger. And she'll be sitting at ringside and she may interact with some of the people and all that type of stuff. And therefore, I mean, it gets a bunch of other people involved with the women's champion to get, you know, and all of that type of thing. And so with Rhea, that's not really going on. And now, honestly, with her, she hasn't been interacting with the women's division that much for a year now, to be honest. Yeah. And whereas, like, now, like over on SmackDown, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they had a whole thing with like th- three or four different women coming out there to basically kind of throw the gauntlet down towards Asuka. And then, of course, like two weeks ago, Charlotte comes back and, th- you know, calls a shot. Now Bianca's involved and they got a bunch of other, you know, so it's a bunch of stuff, you know, there's more going on there. Um, and so the thing is, all right, do I understand that the complaint? Yes, because, um, well, one, well, one part of it I think is valid is that the other women in the division who do singles matches are, uh, are virtually ghosts right now. It's whoever, you know. The person who's going to get the next match with Rhea gets some FaceTime with Rhea, you know, maybe for a few minutes for a couple of weeks, if that. And then they do the match, and then the match has been over pretty quickly. And then that person is a ghost again, or that person, you know, you know, it's or whatever, right? And just and then you have all these other women who are just like Piper Niven has, has been a ghost, and Candace LeRae, and um you know, Nikki Cross and um, they just haven't been there at all. Well, right. and to be fair, when right after the draft, we talked about this. Raw ended up with like, what, 28 women? Uh, yeah, pretty big number. And so now some of them have been put into the tag team thing, which is that that is a good thing. That's perfectly fine. But you got about five or six Piper, Nikki, Candice. Um, Emma, Tegan Knox, Zia Lee, who I don't think they've, I don't think they've been on Monday Night Raw. I don't think Zia Lee's been on TV maybe once since the draft. Yeah. And it's, so it's, you have this situation where, you know, these women who are not in a tag team, they're doing, they would be doing, they're doing single stuff and they're not on TV at all. Yeah. And so some people think that the way they're kind of booking Rhea on television is kind of creating kind of a vacuum. Um, and, you know, in which these women are all getting kind of shut out. Yeah. Um, I have a different approach, but go ahead and finish. Okay. 
Um, and well, well, you go ahead because I because I got then I'll get into this number. I think what they're doing with Rhea is they're building her up as this in just indestructible force, and she's basically walking around daring someone to knock her off the pedestal. I beat Natty in two minutes in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. I'm gonna beat your favorites in no time flat every week. Who's going to step up? Who's going to knock me off this pedestal? And I think when they finally pull the trigger on whoever it is, it's going to be huge. Because, again, I, I think of it as like the Yokozuna thing. You remember when Yokozuna was was champ and everybody that wrestled Yokozuna, we thought it was going to be the one. Now, mind you, they weren't all squash matches. But I, I bet by the time Bret Hart finally beat Yokozuna, we were so desperate for anyone to beat Yokozuna that and the, you know, Bret Hart was the right guy, right time. But I, and this is just how viewing it through my eyes at the time, I was so sick of seeing Yokozuna with the World Heavyweight Championship and every single match being him just being dominant. That by the time Bret got his, I think it, it just launched Bret into a higher stratosphere that he was already in. I think that's what they're doing with Rhea Ripley. You know, eventually there's going to be somebody that's going to catch her number. And she's going to cash it in, and and it's going to be really good. Um, but I could be wrong, you know. Like I said, that's just how I'm viewing the Rhea Ripley situation right now. Um, I I think I think that is a possibility. Um, but I think people right now are looking at the here and now, and you're seeing that these women are they're not even getting on TV. Um, right now. Yeah. So, and I think. That's what has some people kind of not happy about this because you have her and again, like 90% of her TV time is with Judgment Day. And, you know, that other 10% is with, you know, a short encounter with one woman on the roster and it ends up being a squash match. Um, And so I think that's what people are not happy about. It's just, there's this, and that, because right now it doesn't, it doesn't look like, they're, it, it doesn't look like they're even, to some people, it doesn't look like they're even, like, they could be building someone to be at least a good challenger on the pay-per-view, and it looks like they're not even doing that right now. They're just throwing um, random women out there, and they're getting... Um, well, because, look, nobody expected Natty to beat her, right? But I think we, we did kind of expect it to be competitive. And it was it was, it was not, not <laughs> no. Um, and then Monday, like it was supposed to be a rematch, but then they kind of ran the same action. But then it, but the bell never rang, so it wasn't even yeah. a match. Um, they are teasing her and Raquel. Yeah. And, so but we now, could somewhere down the line, Raquel goes in there because. You got to remember, her and Raquel have history, and her and Raquel had one hell of a last woman standing match. Yes. When Rhea graduated from NXT into into the main roster. Yeah, and so now, um, but then it, like even that interaction was, it was kind of abrupt Monday, and it was brief. Yeah. Um, and now also, I mean, and, and it's, I mean, if Liv Morgan hadn't gotten injured, would would that even happen or would her and Raquel still be a tag team right now? Yeah. Um, and so it's, 
I get what people are saying because they're seeing a vacuum um, and where like just nobody's getting anything right. Not even it's, it's not even about beating her or whatever right now. It's just like people are not even getting on television. Yeah. Um, and so I think some people are. I think that's really the crux of what people are not happy about. Um, that's and, fair. Um, yeah. And. Um, so now to that end, well, so if you're, so if you're wondering, well, why are they booking her on television the way that they are? And here's where, you know, when I've said before that they put people in the positions they're in for a reason, um, here's where that kind of comes into play. Um, because basically there are, there are three Rhea Ripley's the same way there were three Mick Foley's. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There is Rhea Ripley, the member of Judgment Day. There is Rhea Ripley, who who does social media posts, okay? And I, we don't need to go any further with that. Yeah, yeah. That. And then there is Rhea Ripley, the women's wrestler, who is in the women's division. There are three of them. So, and here's the problem. Rhea Ripley, the member of Judgment Day, is really popular and does really big you know, they do good ratings. They do a, a lot of big video numbers, particularly the stuff her and Dominic do together uh, and all of that. Rhea Ripley, the social media poster, does a lot of big numbers on social media. Rhea Ripley, the women's wrestler who wrestles other women, is does okay. She does average numbers. But again, and, that speaks volumes to what are we watching? Um, well, because here's the thing, though. All right, so um, now some of this is it's not even about her. It's kind of the state of the division because I've been doing some kind of this historical looking into stuff um, for a very long time. The women's division was mainly it was big name people fighting other big name people. Okay, and that's yeah. what almost everything was centered around. It started out with Becky, Charlotte, Sasha get called up. Who were they feuding with? Nikki Bella. Yeah. Okay. From from jump, that turns into you know Becky, Charlotte, and Sasha feuding with each other, and then Alexa Bliss blows up. She's feuding with Becky Lynch, and then Sasha and Charlotte are feuding with each other, and then Bailey comes in, and Charlotte's feuding with Bailey, and then Alexa Bliss comes over, and then she's feuding with Sasha and Bailey, and then. Then Ronda Rousey comes in, and Ronda Rousey is feuding with Alexa Bliss. Then she's feuding with Charlotte and Becky. And then Bailey and Sasha are teaming up. And then Bailey and Sasha are feuding with Charlotte and Becky. And then, right, and then Bianca comes in. She starts out with Bailey. She goes over to Sasha. And then Becky comes back, and she's with Becky. And then Rhea Ripley comes up. She's with Charlotte. And you end up, at one point, you had, in a, for about a month, you had a little four-way thing going on with Charlotte, Becky, Sasha, and Bianca. And then Ronda comes back, and you have Ronda and Charlotte, and then you have Becky and Bianca, and then you have Sasha doing the tag team thing. And for about the past, now about a year ago, that kind of fell apart. Because, you know, Sasha left, of course, with Naomi. And then Charlotte took a break. Becky was injured for a while. And things kind of fell apart because you had Ronda feuding with mid-carters. Yeah. And then, you know, Bianca was supposed to start with Rhea. Rhea got injured, so then Bianca was with, was with Carmella. And, and Bian- you know, and Carmella's a mid-carter. 
right? And then the thing with damage control didn't go, it didn't, it wasn't as successful as people hoped, I would, I would say. Mm-hmm. And then when Ronda, when they tried doing the heel thing with Ronda, that completely tanked. But then, you know, and then when Charlotte comes back and beats Ronda, they put Charlotte with Sonya Deville. Okay, for a month. And so you we got a long strip. We got a, almost a year now of the cycle got broken, basically. And yeah. I mean, I think in a result of that is that the kind of general interest of what's going on in the women's division is not what it used to be. And so, no, people don't honestly, Rhea Ripley beats Candace Ray on television. Nobody cares. Okay. And that happened this year. Nobody cared. Okay. Um, Rhea Ripley beats Dana Brooke. Nobody cares. Rhea Ripley beats, takes on Rhea Ripley beat Natty. Nobody cared. Um, um, you know, like the only person, like people perked up when she and Becky had a little face off back in December. People paid attention to her in Charlotte. Um, you know, people pay attention. You know, I think her and Bianca had a little promo thing the night after WrestleMania. People paid attention to that. But you used to have kind of nonstop big name women feuding with the other big name women. And we haven't had that for a bit. Yeah. And we haven't had it as much. And I think that's affected the overall interest in the division. And as a result, um, right now, I mean, as far as people, women who there would be some interest in Rhea doing anything with, I mean, you got Becky, Trish, if she hangs around after the Becky feud is over, and you got Raquel. And Raquel's not really a big name yet, but because of her kind of physical size and all of that, people are going to be interested in watching that happen. Yeah. So what do you do in between? Um, It's, I mean, having her do stuff with people that nobody cares to watch her fight is, you know, not exactly a winning proposition here. Yeah. When you're well, looking at things like, you know, TV ratings and what have you. I think part of the problem is she's so big, she's so dominant that it's hard to find somebody who pound for pound side matches up with her. And the the only one who right now, who again, like you said, big name and pound for pound matches size with her is Charlotte. And they did that already. I mean, you've got Piper Niven who could go out and outpower Rhea Ripley. Um, but I love Candice LeRae, but it's a it's a aesthetically it's a mismatch. Same yeah. thing with Nikki Ash, if she's even going by Nikki A.S.H. I, mean, I guess she's back to Nikki Cross now. But again, spunky, feisty, psychotic Nikki is great, but she's half her size. You know, Liv Morgan, half her size. You know, Raquel is the only one physically there right now who can look her eye to eye and nose to nose, believably. So right. it's, yeah, it's, I, I see it. And I understand why there's, there's three sides to this coin that is Rhea Ripley. Yeah. And, um, and I can tell you, this is just, I mean, and this is backed up in video traffic numbers and TV rating numbers. Um, you know, um, Rhea, if, if Rhea doing stuff with judgment day, and this is me. Look, I'm a look. Y'all know I'm a numbers nerd. I spend entirely way much time looking at this stuff. But hey, I like to do it, okay, because <laughs> it interests me. 
But just my kind of amateur mathing here with like TV segments and whatnot, as far as like traffic views. Um, all right, so this year, if you if you total up everything for Rhea Ripley, uh, her TV segment highlight stuff averages about seven hundred and seventy-five thousand views. That's everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you isolate women's division stuff from my math. It goes down to about four hundred and seventy thousand. If you take out the couple of times, the two or three times she and she and Charlotte did something on TV, it goes down to three hundred and seventy thousand. So basically, you're it's half. Okay. Yeah. Um, and just from a business standpoint, you have a particular thing with her that is working really well. Um, and. You, you look, I mean, people, the people are not that, you know, and the people in charge are not that adventurous. Okay. If you have something that is working well, you, you tend to stick with it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and if you want to like, well, why do they, it's, you know, why do they put Charlotte in title matches all the time? Because it works well. Okay. And, you know, some hypothetical situation where she's in some non-title feud, is it worth finding out if that'll work? No, because this thing they do over here works well. <laughs> okay. So with Rhea Ripley, it is the same type of concept, right? Um, her doing stuff with Judgment Day works really well. Her doing stuff with Dominic works really well. Um, her doing stuff with any of the women who are not a big name or not an interesting matchup like Raquel would be does not work very well. Yeah. It just, the interest is not there. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, it just... It, and it's not just with her. Like, I mean, um, uh, it's, I mean, it's happened, you know, it, it happens with all the kind of big name women, right? I mean, you know, I mean, it's kind of the kind of the rut Bianca got into because um, there were just matchups that she was getting put in that just were not as interesting. Um, you know, it, and I think, with with Rhea, it's just it's just kind of what it is, and so you, I think they'll do recurring or Kell at SummerSlam. It looks like, um, and then after that, honestly, it's slim pickings until they put her and Becky together. Yeah. Or if Bianca comes over from SmackDown next year or something, um, that's what it's gonna be. Um, so the question, yeah, and then so the question is. Well, now some people think that, well, if that's what it's going to be, then, you know, maybe they should, you know, well, she's kind of holding the belt hostage, some people think. Um, but here's the thing, you know, okay, so if you do take the belt off of her and she just does the Judgment Day stuff, yeah, that'll do fine. But are people going to tune in for, a, you know, to see Candice LeRae feud with Piper Niven over the, the women's title? Probably not. It's, it's not going to draw as much numbers as it won't. It won't. Um, and that's not a knock on them. It's just unfortunately right now they're not established enough. They're still getting, you know, Piper Niven just went through a name change. She went yeah. from, you know, Piper Niven to do drop back to Piper Niven. So now we've got to reset the reset the, the board for her and reintroduce people back to Piper Niven. And again, for all the people that got mad at the name change, you guys were in a bubble. Okay, 
Yeah. So what we're trying to, who is Piper Niven? Who is Candice LeRae? Well, she's, you know, she's got to be more than Johnny Gargano's wife. So, that, but even like, for example, like if, but even if we were to look at SmackDown, if you had, if Becky, Bianca, and Asuka were just having a feud over, you know, beef, and then, you know, Shotzi and Lacey Evans were feuding over the women's title over there, you'd have the same issue. Right. Um, so it's just, I mean, well, I mean, the, the division is kind of in a, I don't know. It's kind of in a um, different kind of state right now. Um, and so you either have, you either go back to the big names feuding with the big names or it's going to be what it is right now with Rhea. Um, right. And it's, it's, it's one or the other. Um, and look, they look, she and Raquel, you could start them off at SummerSlam and they could have a nice four or five month feud, right? Um, you could do that. And, but, but you'll have the same vacuum though, where, and where those other women will basically just be fed to both of them over the four or five months. Pretty um, much. But do you want that? I mean, but it's either that or it's, it's what, or what's what we got right now. And so it's, I don't know. I mean, it's, I don't, I don't have an answer really as to what the right path is. It's just, it's, this is just the way things are right now. They have, they have a thing that's working with her really well. Uh, you know, the woman who would be most likely to feud with her is tied up in another feud. Becky is tied up with Trish. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, it just, it kind of is what it is. And we got to be honest, you know, about, look, everybody is not as popular as you think they are. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's, it just speaks to the bubble again. Um, I might, yeah. Go ahead. One last thought, and then we'll we'll get out of okay. here in a minute. Okay. It's just some of these girls, and and this is true on the men's side as well. There are some people who just, you know, what they don't draw the interest, and and you have a limited amount of TV time, and you you cannot just put them out there for ten and ten fifteen minutes because they don't draw the interest. So, you know, you got to have people out there who draw enough interest for the television show and some of these folks don't and they never will and i know a lot of people say well if they just book them right you can book there's some people you can book look they didn't book cesaro badly no but he never got there okay damn he had a main event match with john cena on raw if that didn't launch him into the stratosphere then it just wasn't going to happen right and they're they're just some people that is not going to happen for and the the women's division became what it was because they had big names fighting big names frequently. Yeah. And it that's that's what that's the wheelhouse, that's what's worked. So that's what that's what it is, folks. All right. Well, we can just keep watching the show as we always say and you know, see what happens. They may eventually turn the corner on it. They may find something to do with some of these girls. There may be somebody who sneaks up from the ranks and absolutely knocks Rhea Ripley off that pedestal. I, for one, am hoping for it. I, for one, think it's going to happen. But you know how I'm going to find out? By watching the damn show. Yeah. Thought- and and, and you know, the last thing I'll say is, look, I'll say what I've you know, what I said about not struggle watching. If, if, if it's really, if it's, but if it really is truly bugging you that much, 
if it really is affecting the way you are taking in the show, then you got one option. Stop watching it. All right, well, let's call the go home there. You have been listening to the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, again, part of the ChairShot Radio Network, to be found on not only thechairshot.com, but anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcast. Remember, thechairshot.com, we remind you and encourage you to always use your head. As I close out every show, I'm going to do it again, wrap back around the room. There's only one person to go to. Thank my co-host here tonight, Rob from the Rob the Genius Podcast. Fun night tonight. We had a good talk. Yeah, man, always a pleasure, and uh, thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming out. Jason, we miss you. We hope you hear, we're hope, we hope, as I close out the show and try to talk, we hope that Jason is back next week so we can get our audience numbers back up. <laughs> um, again, I am the man with the award-winning and holy beard DJ. Remember, you can call it pro wrestling. You can call it sports entertainment. You can call it whatever you want, but call it in the ring, and we're out of here until next week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.